Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome back to the Cyber Law Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Pollock, cybersecurity attorney at Whiteford Taylor and Preston. Glad to have you back. As always, keep those questions, comments, calls coming. 410-832-2002 or email me at spollock, that's P as in Paul, O-L-L-O-C-K at WTPlaw.com. As always, another interesting week or two in the cyber world, and I'm very thrilled today to have Josh Arnold from Hiscox. He's a claims manager on to uh, discuss a lot of pertinent topics. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Spencer. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, we're very we're very excited to have you. You know, I got to see Josh last week in Atlanta. You know, he, he showed me a good time around there, different locations. So it was rough flight on the way home, but that's okay. Um, so Josh, let's jump into, first of all, I always am curious, how did you get into cyber, especially the cyber claims world and insurance, because that's a pretty unique kind of field. Sure. Absolutely. So before I got into cyber, I was doing, uh, commercial auto claims and commercial general liability. And so, you know, doing those claims, it can get kind of mundane and, and just, you know, repetitive, just like any job. But for me, what happened, I just I found myself not really being challenged uh, and there was no room for upward movement for me in that particular situation. So uh, I reached out and I just started applying for jobs and I saw that uh, a cyber, it was called a a claims examiner, cyber claims examiner role. So I thought, well, you know, they had minimum requirements and I met or exceeded most of them. So I was like, okay, well, let me just give it a shot and see what happens. And so never thought that I would get a call back just because, I, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of background in cyber other than, you know, using a laptop or, you know, a, a desktop. So yeah. uh, I ended up getting the job. And so it it just turned out to be one of the greatest choices I've ever made, uh, just in terms of career-wise, uh, monetary-wise, everything. It just winded, it ended up being a very, very great, great opportunity for me. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a great choice. As You know, I think we were talking about when I was in Atlanta about just the whole cyber process, the cyber sphere, the cyber market is just booming right now. And there's not enough qualified people like yourself who are there to fill the gap. Um, so I agree. I mean, it definitely sounds like you made the right choice. Uh, let's shift it to something just a little bit more technical, a little bit more boring. But can you kind of give sure. a little a little perspective about the claims process when, you know, God forbid, there's a breach, there's a cybersecurity incident, one of your insurance calls in, um, what should they be expecting? Well, first, I think number one is just do not panic. And a lot of times what we find is that insurers panic in these situations and they make decisions without kind of going to their their team or even just not even reaching out to the proper channels to, to get uh, any type of incident response. So I think first off, just understanding and having some type of protocol in place for these matters so that there is a chain of command, there is uh, open lines of communication where the insured is not, you know, guessing and, and reaching out to folks that, you know, may not specialize in breach matters. 
uh, I think that's the first step for me. And, I, and ultimately, I, you know, a lot of these situations are new to our to our clients. And so what you want to avoid is making them feel as though they're inferior or that this matter is somehow their fault because you can get into a, 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 a kind of adversarial situation if uh, the insured is, you know, feeling any type of anxiety and, and just, you know, the, the the all the qualms that come with insurance and how they feel about us anyway. But <laughs> so you definitely want to make sure that uh, you you do have the proper people in place in terms of the client having maybe breach counsel or a hotline available to them to just, you know, reach out and make sure that they're doing or making the right decisions in terms of who they're getting to respond, who they're getting to uh, look into the system. Because I believe a lot of these companies believe in their IT and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's a certain level of experience that they have that's capped. And I'm not saying that these you know, individuals aren't good at their job, but it's just in these situations, you want a special, you want to get a specialist, someone who's well-versed in responding to a breach. And I think a lot of what we deal with is just insurers relying heavily on their own internal IT, which, you know, although they do have a lot of insight into the system, their expertise is not more or less breach response or anything to that effect. So I think Number one is just kind of having a clear plan or clear uh, protocol in place uh, for whenever you do have a breach uh, or any type of incident uh, that may come about. Right, so what I heard was definitely panic. Don't be prepared. <laughs> Call Uncle Larry down the street who right. has a wonderful IT shop and they'll be good. Right. And then everything's fine at that point. Yes, I, you definitely want away from uncle larry I'm oh uncle you know, larry <laughs> you know my pain about this right because like the uncle the when you get that call and then the insured or my client is like hey uncle larry has already done this and i'm like oh no oh what did uncle oh, larry yeah. do oh my gosh and the thing is there there i don't think a lot of insurers or a lot of clients out there or business people in general are aware of the the pitfalls of bringing in someone who's not well versed they could totally, you know, destroy evidence. They could even make the situation worse. I've seen situations where a uh, a client didn't, you know, didn't respond to us, uh, and they were hit twice. And and what happened? And this happened to go to the uh, Homeland Security because it was it was a, a, an attack that was from you know a, a outside. I'm not going to say the name of that country, but it was from another country and they had an issue with this particular uh, religious sector and they launched an attack and they were relentless. And these guys do not care. Some of them are some of these threat actors are genuinely have an agenda agenda. And some of them actually, you know, they are into just completely destroying you uh, just based on their views sometimes. So. Yeah, you can really cause yourself a lot of headache by not having the proper people in place. So <laughs> that's yeah. definitely something you want to avoid. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so what, you know, kind of we talked about some of those biggest hurdles, obviously, right there. Um, in terms of when you get that first call, 
right? Well, I guess who should an insured or a client call first? Should they be calling you? Should they be calling me? Should they be calling a tech person? A lot of times I run into clients who really don't know who the first person Mm -hmm. they should call is. Generally, we have our insurance contact counsel first, uh, just because there is that element of potential breach of any you know individual data. Uh, a lot of these uh, clients are holding data that is very sensitive, and and you could cause you some real hefty fines down the road. Uh, so you definitely want to make sure you reach out to counsel, and if you have a contract or if you have a forensic IT vendor that you have uh, near nearby, just in terms of maybe a contact, or if you have a contract with one of these computer forensic firms, they are the first people you want to reach out to because they are the ones who are going to jump right in without any, uh, you know, issue it is Hesitation. they will jump right in and and make sure you are okay and try to stop whatever's going on or at least contain it i should say i shouldn't say stop more or less contain is the word we want to use yeah yeah yeah. so what do you see coming up on like on the horizon when it comes to cyber insurance cyber claims cyber threats what are some of the things the audience should really be thinking about moving forward I think you're, we're going to move. I think it's we're, we're going to see more uh, contracts with insureds and computer forensic firms. I'm starting to see a lot of that in the works, just kind of behind the scenes with uh, underwriters and brokers. I, I'm starting to get the sense that more of these insurers are going to have contracts where they are constantly being monitored by these firms uh, and just having constant security where if there is an incident, the firm is there, they can reach out to counsel, they can reach out to the carrier, and the process can start right away. So I'm I'm starting to see a lot of that uh, coming about. I'm also starting to see with the ransomware environment, we're starting to, I think there's going to be a movement towards sharing the cost of those uh, those ransom demands, just because I see that a lot of insurance companies are taking a lot of large losses when dealing with these ransomware events. And so I've heard that in the works before, just in things I've read and just dealing with people in the business. And you see a lot of that, that there's going to start to be a change because like uh, our former president used to say, we do not negotiate with terrorists, but (laughs) in actuality, we're actually we actually do in the cyber world, and I think that that premise is start is gonna go start to fade away, and I think we will we will start to see a, a cost share situation uh, with these ransom demands. So, so when you say cost share, can you kind of explain what that means? Yeah, sure. So what will what we'll be looking at here is maybe situations where the insured is sharing some of this cost in terms of the ransom. So where we will have the majority, and when I say we, I'm referring to the insurance carrier, we will pay maybe the majority, let's say maybe 60 to 70% of the ransom. But in order for us to do that, I'm, uh, you will, as the insured, have to pay maybe 30, 
just because I, I think it's only fair because we're a lot of these losses or a lot of these ransom demands are astronomical. Mm-hmm. The prices are just it's ridiculous sometimes. And so I think that there's really no skin in the game for the insured other than the data. And I mean, you know, in terms of cost, we are looking at I'm I'm pretty sure that's a billion dollar industry at this particular juncture where we are right now. And so Definitely, we want to move towards, I think, moving towards a cost share situation where the insurers share some of that cost. I think that'll definitely kind of make things not easier, but it'll just help in terms of future costs and, and, and just making premiums go down as well. Because I think part of that will help underwriting as well, just in terms of how to write these, these policies for these insurers with, with multiple uh, incidents or multiple ransom incidents. Yeah, you make a lot of good points. You know, unfortunately, more people are going to have to get some skin in the game because of how heavy these ransomwares are coming down and the the number. Um, but Josh, thank you so much for joining. A lot of good insight. Um, definitely have you back on the show soon. So Josh Arnold, Hits, Hiscox Claims Manager. Uh, Josh, have a great night. And um, everybody else, thanks for joining. We'll see you on the next one. Call, email, questions, comments, concerns. Uh, look forward to talking to you. Thanks again, Josh. Thank you. I appreciate it, Spencer. I enjoyed it. All right. I'll see you all later.